Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast. I am your host, Isabella Gutierrez, and today we're going to continue reading The Scarlet Leather, Chapter 16, A Forest Walk. Now, without further ado, happy listening! Hester Prine remained constant in her resolve to make known to Mr. Dimsdale at whatever risk of present pain or ulterior consequences the true character of the man who had crept into his intimacy. For several days, however, she vainly sought an opportunity of addressing him in some of the mediative walks which she knew him to be in habit of taking, along the shores of the peninsula or on the wooded hills of the neighboring country. There would have been no scandal indeed, nor peril to the holy witnesses of the clergyman's good fame, had she visited him on his own study, where many a penitent ear now had confessed sins or perhaps as deep a dye as one betokened by the scarlet letter. But, partly that she dreaded a secret or undisguised interference of old Roger Chillingsworth, a and partly at her conscious heart imputed suspicion where none could have been felt, and partly that both the minister and she would need the whole wide world to breathe in while they talked together. For all these reasons, Hester never thought of meeting him in any narrow privacy than beneath the open sky. At last, while attending a sick chamber, whither Reverend Mr. Dimsdale had been summoned to make a prayer, she learned that he had gone the day before to visit the apostle elliot among his indian converts he would probably return by a certain hour in the afternoon of the morrow bedtimes therefore the next day hester took little pearl who was necessarily the companion of all her mother's expeditions however inconvenient her presence and set forth the road after the two wafers had crossed from the peninsula to the mainland there was no other than a footpath it straggled onward into the mystery of the primeval forest. This hemmed it in so narrowly and stood so black and dense on either side and disclosed such imperfect glimpses of the sky above that, to Hester's mind, it imagined not amiss the moral wilderness in which she had had so long been wandering. The day was chill and somber. Overhead was a gray expanse of cloud, slightly stirred, however, by a breeze, so that a gleam of flickering sunshine might now and then be seen at its solitary play along the path. This fitting cheerfulness was always at the farther extremity of some long vista through the forest. The sportive sunlight, feebly sportive at best in the predominant pensiveness of the day and scene withdrew itself as they came nigh and left the spots where it had danced the drearier because they had hoped to find them bright mother said little pearl the sunshine does not love you it runs away and hides itself because it is afraid of something on your bosom now see there it is playing a good way off standing you here and let me run and catch it i am but a child it will not flee from me for i wear nothing on my bosom yet nor ever will child i hope said hester and why not mother asked pearl stopping short just at the beginning of her race will it not come of its own accord when i am a woman grown run away child answered her mother and catch the sunshine it will soon be gone pearl set forth at a great pace and as hester smiled to perceive did actually catch the sunshine and stood laughing in the midst of it 
all brightened by its splendor, and scintillating with the vivacity excited by rapid motion. The light lingered about the lonely child, as if glad of such a playmate, until her mother had drawn almost nigh enough to step into the magic circle too. It will go now, said Pearl, shaking her head. See, answered Pearl, smiling, now I can stretch out my hand and grasp it some grasp up some of it. As she attempted to do so, the, s- the sunshine vanished, or, to judge from the bright expression that was dancing on Pearl's features, her mother could have fancied that the child had absorbed it into herself and would give it forth again, with a gleam about her path as they should plunge into some gloomer shade. There was no other attribute that so much impressed her with a sense of a new untransmitted vigor in Pearl's nature as this never-failing vivacity of spirits. She had not the disease of sadness, which almost all children in these later days inherit with the scorfula of the troubles of their ancestors. Perhaps this was too a disease, but and but the reflect of the wild energy with which Hester had fought against her sorrows before Pearl's birth. It was certainty it was certainly a doubtful charm, imparting a hard, metallic luster to the child's character. She wanted what some people want throughout life, a grief that should deeply touch her and thus humanize and make her capable of sympathy. But there was time enough yet for little Pearl. Come, my child, said Hester, looking about her from the spot where Pearl had stood still in the sunshine. We will sit down a little way within the wood and rest ourselves. I am not a wary mother, replied little Pearl, but you may sit down if you will tell me a story meanwhile. A story, child, said Hester, and about what? Oh, a story about the black man, answered Pearl, taking hold of her mother's gown and looking up, half earnestly and half mischievously into her face. How he haunts this forest and carries a book with him, a big, heavy book with iron clasps, and how this ugly black man offers this book and iron pen to everybody that meets him here among the trees, and they are to write their names with their own blood, and then he sets his mark on their bosoms. Didst thou ever meet that black man, mother? And who told you this story, Pearl? asked the mother, recognizing common superstition of the period. It was the old dame in the chimney corner at the house where you watched last night, said the child. But she fancied me asleep while she was talking of it. She said that a thousand and a thousand people had met him here and had written in his book and have his mark on them. And that ugly-tempered lady, old Mistress Hibbins, was one. And mother, the old dame said that this scarlet leather was the black man's mark on thee, and that it glows like a red flame when thou meetest him at midnight, here in the dark wood. Is it true, mother? And dost thou go to meet him in the night time? Didst thou ever awake and find thy mother gone? asked Hester. Not that I remember, said the child. If thou fearest to leave me in her cottage, thou mightst mightest take me along with thee. I would very gladly go, but mother, tell me now, is there such a black man, and didst thou ever meet him, and is this his mark? Wilt thou let me be at peace, if I once tell thee? asked her mother. Yes, if thou tellest me all, answered Pearl. Once in my life, I met the black man, said her mother. This scarlet leather is his mark. Thus conversing, they entered sufficiently deep into the wood to secure themselves from the observation of any casual passenger along the forest track. 
Here, they sat down on a luxuriant heap of moss, which, at some epoch of the preceding century, had been a gigantic pine, with its roots and trunk in the darksome shade and its head aloft in the upper atmosphere. It was a little dell where they had seated themselves with leaf-strewn banks rising gently on either side and a brook flowing through the mists over bed of fallen and drowned leaves. The trees impending over it had flung down great branches from time to time which choked up the current and compelled it to form eddies in black depths at some points. While, in its swifter and livelier passages, there appeared a channel way of pebbles and brown sparkling sand. Letting the eyes follow along the course of the stream, they could catch the reflected light from its water in some short distance within the forest, but soon lost all traces of it amid the bewilderment of tree trunks and underbush. And here and there a huge rock covered over with gray lichens. All these Gigant, giant trees and boulders of granite seemed intent on making a mystery of the course of this small brook, fearing, perhaps, that with its never-ceasing loquacity, it should whisper tales out of the heart of the old forest whence it flowed, or mirror its revelations on the smooth surface of a pool. Continually, Indeed, as it stole onward, the streamlet kept up a babble, kind, quiet, soothing, but melancholy like the voice of a young child that was spending its infancy without playfulness and knew not how to be merry among sad acquaintance and events of somber hue. Oh, brook! Oh, foolish and tiresome little brook! cried little Pearl after listening a while to its talk. Why art thou so sad? Pluck up a spirit and do not be all the time sighing and murmuring. But the brook, in its course of its little lifetime among the forest trees, had gone through so solemn an experience that it could not help talking about it, and seemed to have nothing else to say. Pearl resembled the brook, inasmuch as the current of her life gushed from wellspring as mysterious, and had flowed through scenes shadowed as heavily with gloom. But, unlike the little stream, she danced and sparkled, with prattled airily along her course. What does this sad little brook say, mother? inquired she. If thou hast a sorrow of thine own, the brook might tell thee of it, answered her mother, even as it is telling me of mine. But now, Pearl, I hear footstep along the path, and the noise of one putting aside the branches. I would have thee betake thyself to play, and leave me to speak with him at that comes yonder. Is it the black man? asked Pearl. Wilt thou go play, child? repeated her mother. But do not stray far into the wood, and take heed that thou come at my first call. Yes, mother, answered Pearl. But if it be the black man, wilt thou not let me stay a moment and look at him with his big book under his arm? Go, silly child, said her mother impatiently. It is no black man. Thou canst see him now through the trees. It is the minister." And so it is, said the child. And, mother, he has his hand over his heart. Is it because when the minister wrote his name in the book, the black man set his mark in that place? But why does he not wear outside his bosom as thou dost, mother? Go now, child, and thou shalt tease me as thou wilt another time, cried Hester Prine. But do not stray far. Keep where thou canst hear the babble of the brook. 
The child went singing away, following the current of the brook, and striving to mingle more light stone cadence with its melancholy voice. But the little stream would not be comforted, and still kept telling its unintelligible intelligible secret of some very mournful mystery that had happened, or making a prophetic lamentation about something that was yet to happen within its verge of this small forest. So Pearl, who had enough of shadow in her own little life, chose to break off all acquaintance with the repinning brook. She set herself, therefore, to gathering violets and wood anemones, and some scarlet columbines that she found growing in the crevices of high rock. When her elf child had departed, Hester Prine made a step or two towards the track that led through the forest, but still remained under the deep shadow of the trees. She beheld the minister advancing along the path, entirely alone, and leaning on a staff which he had cut by the wayside. He looked haggard and feeble, and betrayed a never less dependency in his air, which had never so remarkably characterized him in his walks about the settlement, nor in any other situation where he deemed himself liable to notice. Here it was woefully visible, in the intense seclusion of the forest, which of itself would have been a heavy trial of the two spirits. There was a listlessness in his gait, as if he saw no reason for taking one step further, nor felt any desire to do so, but would have been glad, could he be glad of anything, to fling himself down at the root of the nearest tree and lie there passive forevermore. The leaves might bestrew him, and the soil gradually accumulate for, and form a little hillock over his frame, no matter whether there was life in it or no. Death was to define, definite to an object to be wished for or avoided. To Hester's eye, the Reverend Mr. Dimsdale exhibited no symptom of positive and vivacious suffering, except that, as Little Pearl had remarked, he kept his hand over his heart. And that was chapter 16. Well, as I said last time, since these chapters are uh, pretty short, they're, they're very straightforward. And, I mean, this was a pretty simple chapter. Hester wants to talk to Mr. Dimsdale and expose Roger Chillingsworth, but she decides to do so when he is sent to this other place he's called to that other place and when he comes back to the town she plans on meeting the him in the forest hence why the chapter is called um the chapter is called a forest walk right but um i'm going to that's pretty simple okay but i'm going to direct my attention to pearl again and her questions and what she asks her mother and this time, I mean, she's still curious about the scarlet leather, but this time she talks about the black man. Now, we already established that the black man is another way of, you know, calling the devil, right? And she asks if the scarlet leather is his mark. And Hester says, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it is his mark. And Pearl, she really wants to see this black man now obviously 
as we've established before, Pearl's a really smart child, but it doesn't save her from being a child, right? She still has that childlike innocence. Even though she can catch on to things, she still has a childlike innocence. So she wants to meet the black man, or should they say the devil. And Hester's like, no, child, don't. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Because as we see, even though Pearl has been linking Mr. Dimsdale, aka the minister, aka Arthur, aka her father, I'm calling it her father, Arthur, um, and her mother, Hester, and also linking a Roger Chillingsworth into that whole ordeal, there's still a lot of things that she doesn't really comprehend. Yet, by observing, she can see a link between. So, even though she has made connections, she doesn't fully understand. That's why she's asking her mother so much about the significance of the scarlet leather on her bosom, on her chest, however you want to call it. And you can see this clearly when um, Pearl says... When I'm grown up, I'm going to have a, have a scarlet leather too, right, mom? And Hester, she's like, no, I hope not. And Pearl asks why. But again, you know, Hester, she doesn't want to taint, if we were to say it like that, taint her child with, you know, sin, right? But Pearl, she has a grasp of, you know, the black man, but she doesn't really... She doesn't seem to be phased by the fact that, you know, he he's a scary, ugly man who has a big book under his arm and makes people write their names with their own blood. Because when she was saying that, she seemed to be fine, you know? So that kind of shows, like, the childlike innocence that Pearl has, but how she's different from other kids. Because if you say um, something scary like writing your name in blood to a child, I don't think they'll be saying it to their friends as if it was you know a normal conversation like pearl did so so even though i was praising pearl for her intelligence and her capacity of catching on to things she still doesn't fully understand that's why she asks so many questions and that's why hester's getting really bothered by it because even though pearl is a very capable child she's still a child and she doesn't really understand these things but pearl she really wants to try she really wants to try to understand and this is where i'm gonna go outside of the book and just you know grab pearl as a character right and i'm just gonna break her down just a little bit where we already established that pearl she embodies the link between um, we're going to say three people because, you know, Roger Chillingsworth is involved. So the link between Hester, Arthur, and Roger. She's the link between them. Or she links them in some way. But obviously, the, the, the link that she represents between Hester and Arthur is more concrete than the link she represents between those uh, two people and Roger, right? Um, she also embodies the scarlet leather because as we've seen before the way they describe her and the way she dresses even the townspeople have caught on that she kind of looks like 
the scarlet leather like not saying that she looks like an a because that's stupid but you know like the embroidery and the color of the scarlet leather and the the clothes she wears it's very they're very similar so that's how she she's quite frankly the embodiment of the scarlet leather now um as we've gone through the book we've also already established that the scarlet leather has molded its significance according to other people from you know sin adultery to now being seen as something as able right as meaning able by the townspeople so that kind of represents how pearl was shown toward more towards the beginning of the book where hester was questioning while pearl was a blessing or a curse and now because the meaning of the scarlet leather has been expanding and shaping itself and molding itself into different um uh significance significance it's been changing its significance we can we can safely assert that pearl does embody both a blessing and a curse but as much as little pearl embodies the scarlet leather adultery is not um necessarily a clean or pure act it's an act between two people right and pearl is a child and she is so innocent so lively so happy so as much as she embodies the scarlet leather she also embodies maybe not the good side of the scarlet leather you know of being deemed able or anything but she all uh that's kind of shows like the more blessing part of her the more um uncommon part of her where she's such a gifted happy child that even though her mother is miserable and everything around her is gloomy she still shines bright and she's still innocent and clueless but not in the type of clueless where she's stupid you know (laughs) like i don't know how to really put in words i hope you guys are understanding because pearl might just be the most complex character of this whole book even though she's just a seven-year-old because of all the things her character um, represents says and does little pearl is the best character and also the hardest character in my opinion to really fully break down because it's she's such a complex character if you see her from the surface like oh it's an you know an innocent happy child but you see all these connections that are made to little pearl to other things in the book and that's where things become more complicated to break down right and lately i've been noticing that pearl she kind of has this fascination yeah fascination with things that aren't exactly um you know pure i don't know how else to say angelic uh you know deemed as something good in this society because you know she seems to be fascinated with the black man she wants to see him she wants to meet him She's fascinated with the scarlet leather. She even wants one of her own when she grows up, even though she doesn't understand, but she wants one. 
right? She, she, I don't know. She, she, she's not, okay, she says that Roger Chillingsworth is a bad, well, she doesn't say that she's a bad man, but like, he's a bad man, but you know, she kind of catches on. And usually when children are afraid of, or they think that somebody's bad, they don't approach him, but little Pearl, she doesn't seem to care. She just, she just points it out, but she, she's fine. She's okay, right? And the people that she loves are essentially sinners because, you know, as we've seen, she has this attachment with the minister Especially when he grabbed her hand, she let him. Because Pearl is not really accustomed to anybody, you know, um, touching her unless it's her mother. Like, you know, physical contact. And, you know, as, as we've discovered, you know, Arthur, he's not exactly the purest of pastors, right? And Pearl, I mean, Hester, as we've seen, she's deemed a sinner, Yet she loves her mother so much, right? So it's, it's, I'm not gonna say that she's immune to evilness, but she has this type of fascination. So there's so many aspects of Little Pearl's character that are so contradictory, kind of, in a sense. Contra- they, they contradict, but they don't at the same time. I, I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. But, obviously as the chap as uh, chapter as the book goes on we'll hopefully get to see more of pearl i'm pretty sure we will we'll see more pearl and i'd like to ask of you guys to really pay attention to the things she does and says because even though pearl doesn't have long dialogues like you know hester or mr dimsdale or roger her short dialogues have so much meaning and symbolism i'm gonna say it power so when low pearl appears i myself and i hopefully and hopefully you guys too will pay attention to what she says since it can be connected to so many things in the book but that is it for this chapter. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you next time.